As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Victoria. Okay, so we're uh, currently, uh, if you can't tell, uh, we're hopefully going to edit this up so that it's a little bit more tight, but we're actually um, on opposite sides of the world right now. This is a truly uh, international affair. Again. Um, again, <laughs> yes. Uh, I am here in Hobart and it is 8.22 in the morning. And Victoria? I'm here in Paddington in London and it is uh, 11.20 in the evening. At what point do you yeah. stop saying evening? Is it? Is there a... Is there an agreed, like, <laughs> is there a consensus on this? Like, what hour do you stop saying that? I think it's maybe maybe evening until two in the, I don't know. For some weird reason, Siri just came up for me on my phone. I don't know if something I just said sounded like, uh, hey, Siri, but. Does Siri have an answer? Can you ask Siri? Yeah, maybe, maybe we can <laughs> ask Siri. Hey, Siri. I'll ask Siri. Uh, what time. Do we stop saying good evening? <laughs> Let's check the weather in Newtown. It looks pretty nice to me. The forecast is calling for partly cloudy skies in the evening in Newtown. Temperatures will be fairly consistent, averaging about 8 degrees. That's a pretty impressive answer, Siri, but that has absolutely nothing to do with what I asked. Um, did you, could you hear that? No, I did hear it. She gave you something about the weather. So, we've... Um, it is hopefully the day that this comes out, which will be tomorrow from from now. Uh, it will be the fiftieth anniversary of uh, of a rather famous encyclical, uh, Humanae Vitae, or if you prefer your Latin classical, what is it, Humani or Humani Vitae? I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I I defer to you. I much prefer ecclesial Latin. Uh, it doesn't sound as ridiculous. It's added Italian sort of flavour. Yeah, it does. It does. The Italians really, uh, their their language really evolved in a positive direction, I think, um, with their pronunciation of words. <laughs> um, because it really, if you ever like, if you ever hear how classical Latin is pronounced, it's really hilarious. Like, if, when you think of a big empire, you think of, like, really tough and that kind of thing. These guys sounded quite amusing. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, things got... This is this is another... It's a rather small reason, but it's another reason why the church has been really good to the world. And it's because <laughs> ecclesial Latin is way better than classical Latin. Anyway. Um, That's a, the classic radio thing, making a very subjective thing extremely objective. Lovely. Oh, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> I should say Cradio, I should say Catholics Read, where we voice particular opinions that we believe to be concretely, <laughs> objectively. I think most people in the world would agree that Veni Vidi Vici sounds way better than Weni Widi Wiki. All right, so, um, Humana Vitae. Uh, so, 50 years ago, if you're listening to this, if you're an avid listener and you are listening to this, as soon as it comes out, 50 years ago today. Uh, rather famous encyclical. Look, it's 50 years. There's going to be a mountain of commentary on it uh, in the last 50 years. And probably today, there's probably mm, going to be a whole, lot. like, 
you know, whole editions of magazines dedicated to it. You know, it's going to be huge. So, we're not going to talk about it like the actual encyclical itself in the sense of like what it talks about because most people, it's very easy to find out. And if there's anyone out there who doesn't really know what Humanae Vitae is about, uh, put really simply, uh, it's a restatement um, of the Catholic Church's position, uh, which is that um, artificial contraception for the purpose of preventing uh, the conception of children uh, is against the moral law. Now, there's a lot more to the encyclical than this. Um, Obviously, there's a whole bunch uh, in there about, you know, what marriage means, you know, what um, what would happen if a society was to embrace this? Um, I guess the, the whole beautiful view of the human person and human love, um, all this kind of is touched on uh, in the document. But yeah, I guess just that really simple, what, what's the effect of it, <laughs> the immediate effect? It's that restatement of the Catholic Church's teaching. Um, but I don't know, Victoria, let's, you reckon, let's talk about, we talked about this before, but I'm thinking we talk about sort of, I don't know, like our reflections on, on sort of the, the cultural, I guess, context of Humana Vitae and since, and I guess what it represents. And Well, I guess, yeah, I, I think the two of us uh, and well, anyone of our generation are good people to talk about this because I guess where the aftermath of the entire scenario of you know the sexual revolution from Manavite, Vatican II, um, all these all these things that have come out of the of the 20th century. And we're living well, just kind of to refer to our conversation earlier, my today, yesterday for you. Um, I suppose that we're living in a very broken world and a world that has on the whole, disregarded Humanae Vitae. And that, that's why I think it's so important to bring it back into the, uh, to the spotlight. And while the Catholic world might be speaking about it a lot, perhaps this is an opportunity to uh, reinvigorate our uh, resolution to bring the teachings of Humanae Vitae back into the world, back into our personal lives as well, um, and our dealings with, with friends and things like that, because honestly, the world needs it. I know that you can't, obviously, this world can't be fixed because of, you know, yeah, original sin and things like that. And in the end, we'll only have peace and, um, I suppose, goodness when Christ comes and we can have a you know, foretaste of that in cooperation with him in this life. But honestly, you know, this world needs a lot of fixing. And I know that, you know, one teaching can't do that, but it's a good start. I think if we started with human dignity and, and what the plan God had for man and woman and, and creation, I think that'd be a good start, don't you reckon? I think so. I think so. And I think that, yeah, like when I think about my own, I guess, my own journey, both of us, I mean, I've, I haven't heard the exact details but of, of yours, Victoria, but I think we could both pretty much agree that we both sort of had conversions, although we were both Catholic in the sort of sense of that, like, that's what we would have written on our census if we could write on the census, um, mm. when, when we were teenagers, um, <laughs> that we both have had, uh, I can't remember, I, you know, actually, sorry, no, this is a random aside, but I haven't filled out the last two censuses because I've been in, at World Youth Day, um, potential government conspiracy. <laughs> That's why there's all these nuns because all the Catholics are out of town. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, 
nonetheless, both of us, I guess, have probably had probably not similar experiences. I'd say we've had quite different experiences, but nonetheless, experiences of conversion um, to the Catholic faith. Um, not not in the sense of like from something else formally, but rather, I guess, uh, a real uh, going deeper. From um, ap- like from apathy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. to me. Um, and I'd say so for me as well, even if sort of the the externals perhaps didn't look like that. I've forgotten why I said all that. I don't know. But, oh, yes, oh. conversion. <laughs> key, key part of my conversion. Um, or at least something that, that sticks out for me from that period of, of my conversion is just, I guess, more generally a sense of a discovery, basically, of all this stuff and stuff is probably is a very strange way of putting it but i guess all all of this um this discovery of what is possible of it's a bit like if you'd spent your entire life eating mcdonald's right and then someone suddenly introduces you to like the best hamburger or the be- not even a hamburger the best meal you know mum's roast lamb you know um and you eat that, and it's like, I had absolutely no idea that this was even possible. Like, I just thought that Macca's was it, you know, it seemed pretty nice, felt a bit sick afterwards, but, you know, that's all I thought there was, and you just had to deal with it. Um, but a key part of my conversion, I guess, was that discovery of really what was possible, um, what, what, re- what, what was there in reality, which I didn't recognise. And I guess a, a small part of this, but nonetheless, I think a, a, an important part um, was when I had my conversion, I saw, I started being introduced to all these big Catholic families. And there were kind of big Catholic families around my parish growing up, but I didn't really have a lot to do with them. Um, but once you sort of, uh, I guess, discover these families, um, you really, I guess, there's such a wonderful witness to uh, I guess that that countercultural attitude of really surrendering oneself to to the providence of God. Um, we we do really live in a world where we like everything to be kind of fixed and um, and controlled, and that I can sort of plan out what's going to happen, and you know I'll have things when when I want them, you know, because we want to be safe, we want to have security, we want to be able to, and this often comes from from what could be you know, seen as a somewhat good place, you know, that they don't want to be in financial peril or or to stress out their family or anything like that. But um, now, sorry, an aside here is that uh, that's not to say that the only good Catholic family is a big Catholic family. Obviously, there are many reasons why people can't have large families. Um, many women may have had many miscarriages. Uh, many women might not be able to have children. Um, there's all these things. But the point is, and this is going back to, I guess, um, kind of the, the spirit of Humanae Vitae, although I really don't like saying a phrase like that, but is about that openness to life. Uh, it's not about, you know, that we have a mandate to have 10 kids each, um, but that openness um, to life. And I guess, yeah, that was something that, that has really stuck out for me in my own life um, is seeing um, these large families and seeing how much they witness to a real surrender and a real divine providence. And I think that, that that has been lost to a certain extent in our world today, that we really want to be able to 
to control and really want to be able to do things my way because we're scared. We're scared of the unknown. But these but these families who really have lived out Humano Vitae and that the result has been a large family, um, I think are a very tangible witness to how God can really provide. And it's just so much fun. Like they're nuts. These families are crazy, you know, they uh, but they are so much fun and it's just so beautiful. And that really touched me. So perhaps I should start with when I came across these teachings. And I remember I was in World, I was at World Youth Day Madrid. And I think that's when I actually came into contact with a lot of the church's teaching on sexuality. I mean, I'd done a bit of reading and things beforehand, but it was in World Youth Day Madrid that I really kind of came into my faith. Um, I mean, I'd done a, quite a lot of reading on the church's teachings um, and precepts and, and doctrines and dogmas, um, that by the time I got to the stuff on sexuality, contraception and things like that, while I had my reservations, I was unconvinced. I, was, I had fallen so much in love with the church's teachings up until then and seen how wrong I'd been on certain instances that I pretty much had to just trust that I would understand in time. And so sort of after World Youth Day Madrid that I sort of like went headfirst into it all. And it was only by the grace of God a few years after that, being introduced to big families and, and good families, um, watching awesome marriages, that I think I, I sort of started to realise the beautiful teaching that the church has for us. Um, and so after a while, I sort of got <laughs> read all the things. And I, I've got to say, I've actually never read all of Humane Vitae. I think I've read about 90% of quotes. <laughs> you can just piece it all together from little quotes. <laughs> read a lot of commentary so I feel like I have it's like the typical lit student thing where um <laughs> I haven't read the book but I can talk about it um no I've actually just rewatched a great video that's on YouTube um by the Sydney Archdiocese on Humane Vitae um so that sort of like rejogged my memory jogged my memory a little bit concerning all the all the teachings so I guess we all know it back to front because you know the Sydney Catholics are pretty much well versed in these sort of things um but yeah, did you did you get all of that? Because I know the reception's not too fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we got I got we got all of it. I'm currently, uh, if you could take a picture of this, this would be really funny. I'm currently like holding my phone up, like in the hope that like if it's actually my phone that's the problem, uh, I'm just holding oh, up. I'm doing that like that. If it's not your phone, I guarantee you it's mine. But I appreciate the effort. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe all the 4G happening on my phone will like make up for the lack of connection <laughs> on your phone. Um Kiara has an input here. She's just uh emailing in. Uh, <laughs> uh Tell her like Wi-Fi has not improved. It's not even loading ABC News homepage oh, properly. No, Kiara. Um that's how bad things are. Um um, she also said she can send something through. Um, so, we'll see if we'll, we'll, we can insert that in, but we'll see. It's, it'll be a pretty nuts episode. We're just all over the place. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that's kind of life, yeah. really. And and it's Humano Vitae in practice, sort of, um, in the sense that life is nuts, <laughs> but it all comes together eventually because God's in control. We just have to trust him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> mm, it, 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 it was, that was a bit of a stretch, but I got there. Um, and it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think, no, I think it's true. I think that at least how I've seen it is that obviously there's been a lot of, um, you know, 
debate and 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 uh, especially when Humanavita came out, if if people don't really sort of know the history oh, of it, it was like that was intense. it was like oh yes, it was it was you know. 30 years before I was born, Especially but, you know. Especially meetings. Well, yeah, there's, if, if anyone wants to have a look at kind of like, I mean, there's probably plenty of commentaries, like I said, on this, on the internet um, of sort of the cultural context of Humanae Vitae. I believe that the Vatican is producing a book on kind of the documents sort of leading into it. There was a document that had already been drafted and was ready for translation, but it ended up being scrapped. Um, and Humanae Vitae was produced instead which is interesting um and anyway there was a lot of expectation that basically the church would change its teaching nonetheless obviously it was a time of upheaval in a sense uh culturally and also it would seem in the church because of a lot of liturgical changes uh both licit and illicit um and a lot of changes in just the way people were feeling um, and so, this was kind of expected to just be another thing that the church was going to change to finally get with the times. Um, I kind of slightly sounded like a traditionalist there. I'm not, just so people know. Um, but I mean, in the sense that it's, yeah, I guess it was part of that whole sort of cultural flow that, that seemed to be happening at the time. But nonetheless, the church is the live fish that swims against the current, not the dead one. Um, and so, that's, I think... Yeah, but anyway, being as you were sort of picking up from what you were talking about right at the start, Victoria, about, I guess, us being kind of the, um, I guess, the inheritors of a post-Humane uh, Vitae world, or rather a post-kind of rejection of Humane Vitae. And I don't necessarily just mean that within certain quarters of the church, I mean that in the world. Obviously, the world has rejected Humane Vitae, as one would expect, because the world is the world. Um, and if you read scripture, that's generally what happens um and i guess to a certain extent we're kind of the grandchildren of it um we're not the ones who are necessarily directly affected by it in a in a very immediate sense but we are affected by the effects of it and so you look around at our world today and and what we ourselves are affected by you know we're affected by divorce we're affected by uh, i guess that um that individualism uh, we're affected by a world that is very cynical about the providence of God and the wisdom of the church, um, even within, even amongst Catholics, um, that we like to do things our way <laughs> rather than, you know, what, what would seem to the world like the, you know, the strict, uh, outdated rules uh, enforced by old men who don't know what they're talking about. Um, but really, I can definitely say in my own life, and I don't know about you, Victoria, that like, as I said, even just in that kind of um, philosophical sense of our approach to life, not even just looking at the very specific case of the, the bearing of children, um, but just in general, I guess, this idea of, of surrendering ourselves to God. You know, we live in a world, I think, that even amongst a lot of Catholics, and if you want to hear me talk about this a little bit further, I have a podcast on this that I gave a talk at earlier this year um, about poverty, you know, and I suck at poverty, um, but- uh, that that there is even amongst Catholics, Victoria. How often do you hear Catholics talk about our need for poverty? Almost never. And it's it's. Um, I think that humanae vitae, interestingly, thing I think has speaks to that as well. 
um, because this is part of the reason why the Catholic Church has this teaching, is that we can't, it's, it's impossible, we can't change the moral law simply because we want things to be easier. And it comes from a place of despair. You know, it's not just about convenience. You know, I, I want to be charitable to people. I don't want to say that they're only doing it because they just want to have an easy life and, and they're thumbing their nose at the church because they just want to take the easy road. I think it's also because, you know, they do see a legitimate people, I think, and, and those who rebelled against, uh, against Pope Paul VI, I think, did so from a place of, of perhaps sympathy with people. Um, but it's a place of despair, you know, it's a place that's saying God can't work through the world that he's created. Yeah. You know, God can't work through his plan for, for creation. And that's a very disturbing claim to make, um, because it's basically saying that God made a mistake, um, and that the church isn't really inspired by God. Um, I guess those are potentially two different options, but it's a really disturbing thing. And I think that that has very much reverberated down to our own day. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I just think that's a really good point that you made in terms of, I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't mean to say this, but when you sort of put at people's underlying philosophies as to why they, why they believe something, especially considering uh, concerning matters of being open to life and children, not that I would outright ask someone about this, but there's ways of, you know, just kind of prodding people in a very general way. It seems, not that they would say, that they sort of feel as if God made a defunct model of humanity and we need to kind of fix this disease of fertility, as if we were made for a time that doesn't understand the fact that we are live in this crazy 21st century world that isn't, you know, on a farm in the 1600s and and perhaps the reason I can pick up on this is because I used to think this. I don't think I would have articulated it that way. But for many years I did struggle with the fact that I didn't see how God's plan for intimacy between spouses involved being inundated with children. I just didn't understand. Not that it is it's sort of like that sort of direct correlation, inundation directly, um, instantly. Obviously it's not even biologically how that works. But, but on reflection it's it's so saddening it's so um it's definitely a philosophy that can lead you down through many many strange ideas into perhaps despair um i guess you've got to pray for that i haven't i haven't really ever prayed for that but i think i'll have to start yeah yeah it's look there's there's a lot that can be said and i think that um Part of, I guess, my, my inspiration for, for wanting to, to do this, and I don't like to be reactionary, but I guess part of my inspiration and something that's really stuck with me is um, I remember a couple of years back um, hearing sort of an argument um, and a liberal Catholic kind of saying that well, the church was wrong on this, you know. And I was so frustrated because generally this does come from a particular generation of people or certain generations of people. Um, and, you know, I'm thankful that, they, that they're part of the church, you know, um, if God is willing them to, to be here, you know, obviously he wants everyone to be part of the church. And, you know, I should pray for conversion of heart and mind. But I think that, you know, what frustrates me about, about this is that 
I think that for, for people sort of, of of this kind of generation, they haven't had necessarily the experience. And this is this is the thing, is that is that I imagine that they would probably have argued at the time, you know, that well, you don't understand Pope Paul VI. You know, you don't understand what it's like for families. You don't understand what it's like for mothers. You know, you don't understand that, you know, it's very hard for people to, to live out this to the church's teaching. Um, and so you should change it because you don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I feel like this argumentation has perhaps, if this is the motivation, has come back to bite them because I can say with a pretty great deal of confidence that they don't understand what it's like for me and for many of my peers, possibly you included, Victoria, to grow up in a world that, you know, at the very basis, you know, has despaired of God's grace, I think, and rebelled against God's grace working through the church. Um, That's in general. But in particular, the world that has been created because the world has rejected the idea that marriage is for openness to family. Um, and that that has had a huge reverberation in so many parts of our lives. You look at the brokenness in schools today. You look at the brokenness among young people. It's not just young people, it's old people as well. But in particular, if you look at the brokenness of young people, and I see myself in that because going back to what I said at the start of the podcast, I didn't know what was possible. You know, the people who rebelled initially, I think, against Humane Vitae, I think did know what was possible but they rejected it. I didn't even know it existed. Or if I did, it was sort of proposed to me and I perhaps was just like, well, that can't possibly be true. That's a fairy tale. Um, because I grew up in a world that, that you know, was, was I guess, rebelling. Um, and I guess there's that sort of level of frustration. Now, I don't want this to kind of be an angsty argument. You know, I'd like to keep this positive. Uh, and so, I think that that to kind of bring it back to that positive thing, I think like what you were saying, Victoria, this idea of, of this rediscovery um, of, of the beauty of, of why does the Catholic Church teach something like this and why does she hold on to something like this? It's not because the church wants to make everyone's life hard. It's because the church knows and wants and desires and prays for the best possible thing for every single human person, you know, and this is the best possible thing for every single human person. It's a lie to say that going against this will make us better people because it won't. It might make us temporarily happy. It might give us a certain level of uh, relief, you know, but it won't make us ultimately happy. It won't make us the person who God is calling us to be. And God loves us. He doesn't want us to be miserable and just trudging through life, you know, through the mud. He wants us to have joy, you know. Um, and I think that that we're missing out on it. I think we really need to rediscover the, the church that brought us Humane Vitae um, because I've discovered it. Victoria, you've discovered it. I'm not sure if Kiara is going to get entered in here. Possibly not because we've been going for a while, but um, but Kiara's discovered it. You know, each of us have all had conversions. Each of us, I would imagine, have probably had to come around on this issue because it's probably the first domino to fall, I think, for most people of our generation in terms of, well, the church doesn't know what they're talking about, um, which would eventually lead to leaving the church or not even taking it up in the first place. Any, any, I guess we should probably wrap it up soon, but any final thoughts? Um, I mean, okay, 
yeah, d- one, and it's just sort of like an anecdotal observance. It's not particularly, it's not even really a fully fledged thought. But um, it's so funny whenever we have these podcasts. If I look back um, on sort of my week or my month or something like that, I'll find something that happened that sort of made me meditate and think about whatever it was that was going to come that I didn't even know we were going to be talking about. So, for instance, Luke dropped Humane Vitae on me, Humane Vitae, on me this morning at, like, 6.30 in the morning, 7 a.m. So, was, it was yesterday for me. It seems a little bit nicer. Um. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 7 in the morning on me, but that's okay. It's been It's been really good. And, honestly, I haven't had lots of time to think about it. But I was sort of reflecting very briefly in the last few days, and um, myself and my family, we've been staying with lots of family friends throughout the UK at the moment. We're currently in a very shady hotel with bad Wi-Fi, but we've just come from the north, which is which is infinitely nicer. And um, we were staying with a friend who um, doesn't have any children, and um, and his brother doesn't either. And um, something that this and that's, there's only two of them, so that means that that particular branch of the family um, won't, won't go on. And he sort of brought this up in conversation, and we were talking about something else. I don't particularly know what we were talking about. but And it was quite a, a kind of easygoing, jovial conversation. But as soon as that was sort of highlighted, this fact that that particular branch won't go on, this lacking of children, no one quite knew what to say. And it was sort of one of those hasty attempts to sort of just change the conversation or just make make a quick comment and, and change the conversation. And it laid, led me to sort of reflect on later on when I was on my own, the fact that even in this world that is, as you said, rejected humane vitae, we know, we know instinctively that whether it's by choice or um, something else like health or circum- certain circumstances or whatever it is, when there aren't children um, in a family, that that is somehow less than ideal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that, yeah, I think you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like it's not, it's not saying, you know, that in every single circumstance, I mean, I don't, I don't know your, 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 your family or anything like that, you know, but. It's an entirely um, like, apart from myself, everyone in that entire room, was very secular. Um, so I found it really interesting that the vibration, like not the vibration of the room, that sounds strange, the vibe of the room uh, changed so drastically, um, especially amongst people that would probably think, you know, various things that Jumani Vitae have, has, has said would be quite silly. You get what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And that's that's the nature of it's the nature of truth really. Like truth doesn't sort of operate in isolated silos. You know, it's it's something that permeates all of reality. And denying truth in one area is going to have consequences in other areas. Um, and that's what I mean about the, the, the big, the sort of big family thing, uh, uh, related to divine providence and the, the beauty of, of messiness and all these kinds of things, like just taking out, saying the, saying that, um, I guess rejecting humane vitae might seem like, you know, that we're just cutting off one moral rule and that the rest will all hold together, but that's not how it's turned out. Um, I don't think anyone would deny that, um, whether they think that that's a good thing or not. Some people might think that that's a wonderful thing. 
Um, but it's the unraveling of the natural law, which is going to have consequences. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So I felt I felt like I was going to say something else then, but I've completely forgotten it. So maybe I'm not meant to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess perhaps we we offer this to the world. You know, our our own sort of somewhat, at least for me, meandering thoughts <laughs> on on Humana Vitae and, and sort of the last 50 years. Um, and, yeah, a real call to, to discover it because, I mean, look, go look up your Christopher West, your Jason Everts, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, they will they'll inform you of, of what a world that embraces Humana Vitae looks like, and it's pretty awesome. Um, and I think it's a real good challenge. You know, young people, I think, like to be challenged. Um, and that's something that I've seen is that, you know, when, when we had Jason Evatt, uh, down here in Hobart a couple of, a couple of months back, um, you know, the young people, I think really, they're shocked, I think, cause they're like, they just got absolutely, <laughs> it was like they just took on I was going to say it's like they just took on the German soccer team but that doesn't really work considering the last world cup let's go with the French soccer team it's like they just took on the French soccer team right with their under 10s soccer team and just got beaten like 33-0 um and they're just shocked you know uh and they're not disgusted um in fact they're quite happy you know that they have been challenged by such a thing and i think that that's something for a little bit of hope as well um, that young people really do like to be challenged, especially in this area, because they've never heard anything else. All they've ever heard from the world is the same old rubbish that you turn on the TV and you'll probably hear it within two minutes. Um, and when they hear something different, they're so surprised and shocked and actually perhaps they don't realize it at the time, but actually happy um, that they have been told. And hopefully, by the grace of God, they go in a particularly different direction. Um, yeah. Stuff. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna start talking about something else, but I thought, ah, oh, no, it'll probably just end up being me on a rant. And anyway, we'll just leave it at that. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I think all the episodes are gonna be completely out of order now. So keep listening. You you don't know what you're gonna get, um, but you'll get something uh, in in the next fortnight or so, uh, and hopefully. In the next couple of months, maybe, if you're listening to this, uh, Victoria will no longer be uh, having to do this on the streets of Paddington by the sounds of it. Are you out on the street? No, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the foyer, but all the windows are open because there's a heat wave. It's like 30 degrees at 11 a.m. Um, so, you can hear the, the traffic of Paddington. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, it just sound like you're just like on the you're on the footpath or something. <laughs> pedestrian island. Catholics read live uh, from from a pedestrian island in Paddington. Um, <laughs> cool. All right, so we'll wrap it up. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like our podcast, give us a nifty five star rating on iTunes. Uh, you don't have to feel bad about it because five stars on iTunes doesn't necessarily mean perfect. Um, you can think, man, these guys aren't. But, you know, on iTunes, you can rate something and it's uh, five stars is it's great. So, if you think this is great, um, which I really hope you do, give us five stars and hopefully we will join alongside behind the mic from Telstra. Well, I don't, I don't quite understand that. There's all these like corporate ones. Anyway, uh, I didn't repeat all the other ones because there's a couple of really awful podcasts that are on the front page. 
Uh, but anyway, hopefully we'll start redeeming the iTunes podcast front page if you give us five stars. So, yeah. Uh, thanks, Victoria. Okay, thank you, Luke. And we'll catch you next time, hopefully with Kiara on Catholics Read. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.